0: Could you both introduce yourselves and sort of state your role in Kipo for the folks out there?
1: Yeah, I'm Rad Seacrest, creator and fellow uh, executive producer. I'm Bill Wilkong, developed Kipo, and uh, fellow executive producer with Rad.
0: Fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Uh, my first question is going to be for Rad, but most, most of these are kind of going to be for both of you, so feel free to jump in however you think uh, fits. But for Rad, for, for people out there who might not be familiar with your comic that originally started everything, could you maybe talk a little bit about its history and just kind of give a general idea of what it's about?
1: Yeah. Um, so I I had been drawing comics for years. I actually drew comics before I got into animation, and I was always just kind of doing them on the side or at night. And uh, I was really inspired by shows like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, and I just wanted to do a big, epic, kind of end-of-the-world narrative. And in fact, in my mind, I was thinking I was going to make it dark and gritty and kind of adult. And as I started <laughs> drawing it, I think it kind of came out fun. And at one point I went, you know, I should just lean into my natural sensibility and just keep it fun and, and, uh, not so adult and gritty.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Give people well, something, I, something a little different. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then this question's for the both of you. So, how did Kipo come from that webcomic and then get into development as an animated TV series?
1: Yeah, uh, we uh, I think uh, one of the executives has seen the comic and was interested in it. it it's funny because I think Peter Gallo at one point told me, like, if you would have told me you were going to pitch me at, uh a pop culture show, I would have told you don't even bother, but somehow you managed to make this pretty fun. Um, and then <laughs> He kind of introduced me to Bill, and you want, you want to talk a little bit about that, Bill? Yeah, Um one of the, uh, DreamWorks executives sent me Rad's Red comic, which I fell in line with the, the story and, and the idea of the world, and also Rad's, uh, unique and fantastic drawing style. Um and, and I was, uh, uh, we were set up on a kind of a work-drawing date. And, um, I told Rob my ideas about how I would, uh, expand it into a TV show, um, and, and for me, it was leaning into the, the, uh, preserving the, the, the post deposit side of it and making those things very real, um, and leaning into the, the fantastic elements, uh, and lindical elements that, uh, was, uh, uh, in the DNA of, uh, Rad's webcomic. Um I, I always describe the show and, uh, talk about this with Rad many times as, it's it's, 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 walking dead meets Alice in the Wonderland. Um, and, and, uh, um and Supo is kind of a, is a symbol of hope in this world, uh, in a world where you might not, where most people wouldn't have hope and, and wouldn't be optimistic. Um and, uh, she's so able to see the, the, the uh, wonder in that world. Uh, and that's kind of the seed of uh, how, uh, you know, we wanted to expand it into a, a TV show. And uh, Brad was like, all right, let's go out. And we started work dating, as <laughs> I say that, I'm air quoting as I say that, and uh, had many, many, many conversations as we built out the world, wrote scripts, uh, Brad drew many, many more Designs, um, and then sold it to uh, sold it to Netflix. Actually, yeah, and I'm
0: kind of curious how your what was your process like in expanding the story, or maybe just adapting it. Did you have to make any major changes? Did you take it in a direction that the comic wasn't going, or maybe you got a chance to do something you always wanted to do in the comic but hadn't had time to? What was that process like? So
1: well, I think the comic was very, very kind of a simple plot. It, it was. A girl from an underground city that's kind of like grew up with a life that's kind of like our life. Like you know, there's not she she's never dealt with these giant monsters. She gets thrown into the world, and I I kind of was treating it a little um, pretty simple. Like oh, you walk along and you meet this group of people and you have a little story, and then you walk along and you meet this group of people and you have a little story. Um, more more like a a long running comic way of thinking and when I met with Bill he kind of just expanded it almost you know put some nice nitrous oxide in there <laughs> but do you, you want to talk a little bit about that bill sure um it was uh it was a word what I meant to make about it was it's a word that that exists existed beyond the borders of the red product um you know as, as we dug into it like there was these Core two characters that were, that were heavily, that were in the, uh, Red people in the world, and they did evolve a little bit as we, uh, as we, you know, expanded it out. But the concept of, uh, of this, this, this you know, world that had a great mutant outbreak and animals mutated out of control, and some animals are human-sized and have sentience and, uh, have adopted or you know, different culture from the old world, and, um occupied these, these lands that all this new vegetation has grown over. Um, but it's not a world that has one particular government. It's kind of this, this gang ruled world. Well, so that's just an amazingly deep world to set, uh, a show in, um, because you can see how they have to travel through these, these many different lands. Um, and, there's also something very powerful about telling an end of the world story in a hopeful, optimistic way. Right. Um I mean, I think it, it, it grounds emotionally, uh, or if I, I, I think it regulates emotionally with where we are today a little bit. Sometimes it feels like the world is ending. Um and if I was a kid, I think, I, you know, I, I it would have helped comfort me seeing an, an empowering story of kids thrust into this world, um and, and, uh, overcoming it and, and finding the, the, uh, hope and wonder in it. That was a big driving force of, you know, and how we expanded it out. Um, and also, uh, because it's, it's, it's just, it is a very playful world. Um, it allowed us to, you know, tap into the playful size of our personalities, uh, and how we came up with the different, uh uh mutant animal characters that occupy different different areas. Uh sometimes Rad would just draw something. Um uh when when the idea of the mutant world came, that came from just one of Rad's drawings. You know, have uh, a drawing of a uh, uh a wolf in the same a uh, uh, uh turtle and a blazer um and uh we just filled in that backstory uh and oh what that that's gotta be a uh, group that found, at uh, the Griffin Park Observatory, and they must have found, you know, uh, a picture of Charles Reagan in the Rebel of Humanity, and they based their own on that. <laughs> um, and we were able to develop, you know, a full story based on that. Um, yeah, so it, it kind of came from many different ways, uh, and, and, uh, and it was just so fun to get to play in that sandbox. We also had, um, it, it was just rad and I for the first, uh, developing the first couple of episodes. Right. Um, but once we got our official Greenlight series, we, we had this, this great creative team, a uh, creative, uh, creative writing team and, uh, really great directors and board artists. And everybody had ownership, uh, uh, we ran the writers' and by the way, like a, like you run a live action room, uh, it was going all the time, um, and, uh, uh a lot of the, the expansion of the world also, um, you know, beyond what, you know, what, when Rob and I wrote a Bible and showed in with the model, bringing the room in uh, was a real way to stress test that and uh, um, expanded even further in ways we uh, never would have come up with on our own. Yeah, and
0: I definitely want to uh, touch on the, the visual look of everything, too, because I feel like that tells, you know, as much of the story as the writing, as the, as the conversations, as the dialogue. I was stunned. I mean, I watch a lot of animation. (laughs) Uh, I was stunned by the visuals of this because it felt very, it felt like I was watching an anime. Just kind of the style, the approach to it. And then when I found out that you guys had approached Studio Mirror, I was kind of like, okay, there's that East meets West kind of style that they're sort of known for and that I'm familiar with from their past work. So can you talk about taking your designs and then translating them to the screen and also working with Studio Mirror for your, your world design, your character designs and the look? of Kipo.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because at first, um, a lot of people were coming to us and being like, I don't think you can animate that style. You, you should change it. And, and at one point, I think we even did a test where it looked more classic, oh. um, like like a lot of um, anime, you know? Right. And l- luckily for us, I think Peter Gow literally walked into my office one day and pointed to a poster on the wall that we had drawn during development, and he said, I don't care what it looks like, just make it look exactly like that. <laughs> so he went back to the animators, and I think at one point we were like, look, I know it looks a little weird. Uh, could you just try to animate it? And so they a little hesitant, and they did it, and came back looking awesome. And I, I think one of them was like, Oh yeah, it wasn't actually that hard. <laughs> 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 there's a definite hesitant to, to try it effort because it looked like it was just gonna be hard. Like that, the eyes get cut off weirdly, like halfway off the face, and there's a lot of like things that appear like, oh that, how's that gonna move, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just wanted to give a big ass off to Studio Mirror for making, for taking rad style and and finding ways to make it animatable. Um because we haven't seen a show that looked like this style before. Right. And I mean a big lesson for me with coming into this role is seeing that challenge and seeing the studio rise to that challenge. And it took work, uh, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. They were I know they were also working with uh Angela Songwiller, our our uh art director who who provide many, you know, uh expression sheets and, 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 uh, uh, acting just, uh, we had a a great character designers who would, uh, do key poses, uh, that helped them, uh, give them some of the tools to be able to turn it into an animatable style that you could do on a, on a TV production schedule. And I mean, for me, like, uh, it was just beyond my expectations. Uh, uh, I think they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I yeah. thought, pinch myself, like, I can't believe we got to work with Studio Mirror. Like, I mean, they're probably the best in the kind of, the, the Western, <laughs> like, market. <laughs> they're, they're incredible.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. They did a fantastic job, and it was cool to see your kind of initial designs keep their their spirit, keep their, you know, their recognition. You can recognize yeah. your work in the the finished product, but you can see their hand in the animation as well, and it worked really, really well. Uh, I also definitely want to... It
1: was amazing to to visit too and it's oh, yeah. like they're they're drawing it on paper and scanning
0: it in yeah it's crazy it's cool to, for like an old animation head like me it's cool that people are still doing that today like <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of mind-blowing oh man
1: it's so you're
0: so amazing <laughs> i definitely want to talk about the music of kipo as well because that's another standout i feel like you guys are excelling at like all the boxes you have to kind of take along the way you just go like above and beyond because the music is fantastic so how did you go about finding the right sound for the show?
1: Well, when me and Bill were doing the pilot, we, just kind of, we kind of were just putting in songs we liked. And so I, I'm into a lot of hip-hop and indie rock, and we're just kind of putting in stuff, uh, you know, like watching skate videos growing up. Um, and I honestly thought DreamWorks was going to watch that and be like, this is great, but yeah, we're going to have to take all that music out. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we were in the meetings, and they were kind of bobbing their head, like, that's really cool. And so we worked with um here, uh Lehman and um as our music supervisor and James Cartwright. And then uh we found our composer, Daniel Rojas, and they were into the same kind of stuff, which was like really awesome. Like the first time we met here we were both kind of geeking out about similar types of music. Um and he is he was just finishing up Spider Verse, I think. Right. Uh so yeah, every time they would send songs, I was like, "Dang, this is even better than the one we put in there." <laughs> you, you might notice that a, a lot of the, the backgrounds uh, in this world are uh, inspired by the East Side of Los Angeles. Right. Um, Rad is from Highland Park. I, I live in is in Highland Park, I live in In Atwater Village, and there's there's a sound <laughs> to our side of town. Rad and I. Uh, have a lot of musical tastes that overlap. Um, and since this is a show that's very much about that world 200 two years in the future, we wanted it to sound like that world, too. Um, and it was, we realized it was a real opportunity to, to have a unique musical tapestry. Um, and uh, we're so lucky that DreamWorks that backed us up on it. And Netflix, too. Um, they were very excited about that. Um, and, uh, you know, that old name made just incredible musical team that they brought to us to realize that, um, but, uh, it's, it's music is such a part of this, you know, uh, our lives and also the old world that it, it felt like it had to be, a, you know, a part of people. We, we wanted to make it a, a musical that's not a musical, not, you know, where people are just drinking out of the song, but. Where they do sing, it's natural to the world and organic to the world, um, and which is reflective of, uh our world.
0: Yeah. And it was something, too, that like you're not used to, to hearing that when you watch, uh, a cartoon of this, you know, this demographic or an animated series of this type or this story. So that in itself was refreshing, too. So that made it really nice to watch and to keep, you know, pushing play or rewinding and listening to a track again. That was just a really rewarding and refreshing experience. I definitely want to talk about your cast because you guys have assembled quite the cast here. Uh, for me, two of the standouts are your lead and Karen Fukuhara, but also Dan Stevens as Scarlet who I did not expect to be so incredible and so like intimidating and kind of crazy as this uh, this main villain. What was it like seeing these characters come to life and get kind of this reinvigoration of energy uh, as voiced by your cast?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Kipo with, uh, a little bit, like it was such a pleasure to work with Karen and go into those records and it like her personality just coming through. She added so much to that, that character. And we all just loved as we started to cut her voice into those animatics. It just really came alive. And in my mind, um, Bill is the father of (laughs) Scarlet (laughs) Maine. We, we, uh, we approached Dan Stevens and and uh gave a very specific vision to the character. Um and we ran with it. Um, we talked about having be equal parts uh Abigailish, uh the Tom Belt Abadowish and the Joker. Um as, <laughs> as a kind of just a and just as a a, a, a springboard sure. for the to dive off of. Um and rooted in the very real Emotional papers uh, somebody who feels like, you know, that, that, the, 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 the world uh, has, has, and has slighted them. have got a real grudge against humanity and that, that, you know, helps it make it real, uh, while at the same time it could be fun and performed, I and also scary. Um, personally, I, when I was a kid, I loved this characters that scared the pants out of me. Yeah. And, uh, we wanted to, you know, that was a big goal. Uh, was, you know, and, I, and I was scared of Dan and the booth, that he was a very sweet guy.
0: Yeah. And honestly, it's funny that you mentioned the Joker being as sort of like a, just like a spiritual inspiration for it, because as I was listening to him, especially when he got into some of his maniacal laughter, I was like, I would like to see Dan Stevens play an animated Joker. So that's actually really funny that he specifically <laughs> called that out. Before I run out of time with you guys, I'm sure you can't get into specifics about episode order or season order, but season one kind of ends on a, a bit of a cliffhanger. We get a good resolution, but there's definitely more to the story. So, what could you tease about the events of a possible season two if we were to see that?
1: I think I've been told you have to stay tuned. <laughs> That's a good one. My uh, direct order, so dreamer. <laughs> Fair enough. I reiterate
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'll quote you guys on that one. Before I run but, out time of time with
1: you, Moon Boy is looking down at box right yeah, Exactly. That's
0: is there anything else that the two of you are currently working on that you can talk about, or is Kipo pretty much taking up all of your time at the moment?
1: I'm in development uh, at DreamWorks Feature, but it has nothing to do with Keepo.
0: Gotcha. Congrats on that.
1: Um, I uh, 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 keepo is part of my life. I, I also I work, at, I work in kind of TV, I work on lots of things, but I'm, I'm, uh, uh, working on a show called Who Each Other for, uh, CGSI Access. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, it's not animated, it's not a kid show, but I think what we're doing is we're, we're coming up with some pretty cool stuff.
0: Gotcha. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of Kipo and both of whatever you guys are working on in the future. And, uh, just want to say thanks again for chatting with me today. And, uh, I can't wait for
1: people to check this out and then hopefully, we get to talk again uh, when season two rolls around. So thanks again.